I'm John Crane. And I'm Bernie Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session. With our dad, Jason Crane. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 438 for the week of May 26, 2014. On today's show, baritone saxophonist Addison Evans. Did you know that for five bucks a month, you can become a member of the Jazz Session? It gets you free MP3s with every show, and your $5 goes directly toward paying for my trips to New York City to record more interviews. So if you like what you hear, become a member and help me make more of it. Don't forget to rate the show in iTunes. You can also leave a review there, and you can leave comments on each episode right on the Jazz Sessions website at thejazzsession.com. My guest today is someone whose career I've been following for a while, and I can't actually remember how I learned that she existed, but recently her profile has been raised considerably by her getting a job in Beyonce's band, and she's been touring the world, and we'll talk about that and about her jazz career and a lot more. But first, some live recordings made by Addison Evans and her band that you are the only people so far to get to hear. Pretty cool, right? Here's some exclusive music from Addison Evans, followed by my conversation with her recorded at Juilliard. guest is saxophonist Addison Evans. It's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. Now, I know you, I feel like I've known about you for a while since you were at Juilliard, and now I've seen you cook a lot of times, but we have never been together, and I've seen you cook because of Addie's Jazz Kitchen, which we'll talk about. And because I knew you on, knew of you on social media, I've also been following you around the world with your fairly unlikely for a jazz musician career that you've had <laughs> recently, which has been great. 
Um, it's, I mean, obviously, it's, it's the most obvious place in the world to start, but maybe we can start by you telling folks what you've been doing for the last year. Sure. Well, um, I was here at Juilliard attending school. I received my undergraduate degree from here. I started my master's degree. I got one semester in, and then I got a phone call from Kat Rodriguez, the saxophone player for Beyonce, and also a girlfriend of mine. She's like a big sister. And um, she called me and said, quick, send in a video because Beyonce has a, there's a spot opening up in the band and, you know, quick, send in a video. I want you to audition. And I said, all right. So I, um, I sent in a tape. I was actually, I recorded the tape here at Juilliard. I had just gotten out from yoga across the street at Yoga Works and it was a video. She wanted to see how we looked, how we moved with the saxophone, how we danced. And so uh I looked horrible because I literally just got out of yoga. No makeup. I had I had a pair of heels in my locker. I just threw them on. And she's like, but play tenor. And I was like, you know, I'm a baritone player, right? And she's like, no, just play tenor alto. Go, It's Juilliard. Go grab somebody's horn. So I literally borrowed my friend's horn and said, can you video this? And I videoed it. And, and so, did, uh, I mean, did you dance or move so that she yeah, could see? That's yeah, awesome. I had just alone a, in a practice room, essentially, well, with your no, friend? No, I had, I had rehearsal here with a rhythm section with my combo. We were rehearsing to play at the Blue Note brunch or something. And uh, I said, guys, now that rehearsal is over, can you just quick just drop me a backbeat? And, <laughs> and they were like, uh, what? <laughs> and then, uh, so sure enough, they did. And then um, my friend's sitting there on the ground videotaping me. And I was like, you know, they don't teach you how to dance and play at Juilliard so I had not the slightest clue what she wanted me to do so it was actually quite funny how I was just moving with the horn I was like okay I'll just kind of groove with it all right (laughs) (laughs) and so what happened so you sent the video in I mean obviously we know the result of this story but what happened next well I sent the video in and um and they said okay you know the music director will be in touch with you um and two weeks later sure enough he gave me a call Derek Dixie is his name, and he he was just asking me some questions just to make sure I wasn't just a crazy person, you know. And then um, then he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, B liked you, and we'd like to offer you the job." And I was like, "Okay, what exactly does that entail?" You know, because I'm at Juilliard, and he's like, "Well, it would start with a New Year's Eve show in Vegas." And I was like, "Cool, okay, I'm not in school then, sure." And then he said, "Well, you know, then the Super Bowl in February." I was like, "Wow, cool, Super Bowl, all right." And then he said, uh, and then a world tour. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I might have to go talk to the dean at Juilliard. So the very next day, I got the dates from the director, and uh, I went into the dean and said, I think I need to leave school. <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, of course, he was very congratulatory and supportive. So then he said, okay, well, you know, come back when you want, if you want, ever, and um, we'll see you around. And then just then, like that, I left school. I called my mom. I was like, so I just, I quit school, mom. <laughs> she was like, uh, Addison, what? And I told her, and she's like, okay, all right. Well, it's like, you know, it's for a job. That's why you go to school. And So you told the dean, you accepted the job and told the dean you quit school before you called your folks and told them that you were quitting? Yeah, well, I mean, I told I told my mom that I had sent in an audition tape. Okay. So I was like, but I'm not sure it's what's going to happen. I don't know how many she's looking at. I don't know who's in the running. I don't. I have not the slightest clue if I'll even have a chance. I don't know. And, um, you know, because, again, it's not a jazz musician gig. And, and I, I was playing tenor. I don't play tenor. I've never <laughs> played tenor. And it, the video was like, whoa, hey. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, it, it just worked out that I got the gig, and see you later, Juilliard. Now, you're, 
I mean, obviously, I'm not the first person you've ever told this story to. And you, as you tell it now, you know, although it sounds surprising, it all sounds pretty logical. But at that moment, when those things were happening, I mean, this was essentially rebuilding your entire life around this yeah, new thing. I mean, everything absolutely. you had intended to do, your entire plan, which you have been following your whole scholastic career, you were just going to say, okay, I'm not going to do that because of the most famous human being on the planet Earth wants me to go play saxophone in her band, True. which is insane. It, it really is. I mean, I was I was scared poopless. I was just scared. I, you know, because I I love school. I was here at Juilliard. I yeah. I just love structure. I love you know for a jazz musician. I I just love structure. I love having a schedule. I I was um, in ear training, teaching assistant here. So I was teaching in the classical department. And I just, I just, I loved it. I had a, a group of students in which I would teach outside of school every week. And um, it's just, it, it became my niche, my thing. But still lingering in the back of my mind was, okay, you know, you see a lot of kids graduate from school, not Juilliard, any school for that matter, in the performing arts as freelancing artists. And they, they graduate, go out into the world. And, and th then some people say, then what? Okay. And for me, it doesn't matter. You know, Juilliard has been an, an incredible education for me, um, an incredible support system. But I was, I was scared for when I got out of school. Like, New York City is not a cheap place to live. So I was like, well... I need, you know, I can't, I can't live off of it, you know, this salary, like my whole life. So when that job came along, I, you know, I've, I still had my, my personal goals still in the back of my head on the, on the back burner. But I thought, okay, well, you know, it would be a great opportunity to still play with a band, even though it's not jazz music. Um, and, and that's what, that's another goal that I had was to be just a versatile musician, you know, one that could be called for different things and you get to experience things, you get different things, you get to meet different people in different circles. And so I thought that would be really beneficial to just have a job where I could still play my saxophone, even if it had so much more to do with the production, like, like she does. Um, and, and just you know, travel the world. I mean, a world tour they proposed was like, I before the world tour, I had only traveled to maybe London once when I was 15, um, been to the Caribbean once, you know, I've been to Canada once. But besides that, I'd never really been anywhere. And we've so far gone to Europe three on three separate occasions done the North American leg of the tour twice. We've gone to Australia, toured all of South America. And, you know, so it's like I've seen just so much of the world, which has always been a dream of mine. So I thought, why why not do it while getting paid and while still being able to say I'm being a musician?
And if it's okay, I just I want to follow the story a little more because I, sure. I find these kind of stories fascinating where people suddenly are just turning left when they didn't expect to oh, and yeah. completely redefining their lives. So you accepted the job. You went and told the dean, look, I, I need to drop out to go play with Beyonce. And then what actually happened? What ha- Were there rehearsals in New York? Rehearsals. What did you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a – because I got this phone call December 12th. 2012. And the gig was obviously December 31st, right? In yeah, Vegas. the, the yeah. first gig was in Vegas on December 31st. Rehearsals started December 15th, 2012. December 13th, 2012, I went into the dean and said, I need to leave school because in two days I need to go into the studio and go into rehearsals with these girls and with the music director and learn all of her music because we have a New Year's Eve show. And then between the New Year's Eve show and the Super Bowl was just straight rehearsals. We maybe had a week or two off and then rehearse, 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 getting ready for the Super Bowl. And then two of those weeks before the Super Bowl were down in New Orleans. So I really had no time to go back to school or stay in school and play the gig at the same time. Sure. So. And so what were the rehearsals like? Were Oh, gosh. Well, at first I was so scared. Were you I... the only new person? No, there was another another girl in the band. It's an all-female band. Another girl in the band, she was new, Danny. She's uh, the keyboard player. There's two keyboard players. And so it was her and I that came in that we were new. But she, um, she's had experience before. She played with CeeLo and a whole bunch of musicians. Imagine Dragon, she was in that band for a little. And so she's kind of had experience in that world and me i was like well i was taking my finals my midterms last (laughs) week and um you know i'm I'm practicing my modes of melodic minor do you guys know anything (laughs) about that you know i just i i didn't have that experience and i didn't i had never seen a live i had never really been to a live big concert like that like my rock concert was seeing sonny rollins at the beacon theater over here a few years ago like that's that was the extent of it you know, so I, I really didn't know what went into it. And I went into rehearsals. We just had uh, rehearsals at a, at a studio, just sitting down, learning the music. And um, the horn, um, my horn section mates, Crystal Torres on trumpet and Kat Rodriguez on saxophone, they just taught me all the parts by ear. Nothing was written out, which was fine because, you know, I could hear. And you were playing alto? Alto, which isn't my instrument. That right. was the other thing. Um, but, you know, it was still an E-flat, and that was okay. And um, actually, uh, so they were teaching me the parts, and I was uh, learning them on alto and, and playing along with them and memorizing them, which it wasn't very difficult to do because it's just little things here and there in sure. each of the songs. And songs that I've heard before, so nothing nothing too too bad. And then all of a sudden they said, okay, well, you know, let's just get back into it. Let's add the choreography. I was like, the what? <laughs> Okay, you got you guys go like you go. I'll sit. I'll sit. I'll play my part. You know, I'll, I'll be the musician over here. And they're like, no, no, you got to play and dance. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when um, Chrissy, who is one of the mamas, the one of the three background vocalists, she uh, has such a big personality. And I was still learning everybody's names. I so I, didn't, I really didn't know this woman. And all of a sudden, we're playing in the middle of the track. I've got my in ears in, so I couldn't really hear outside. And all of a sudden, I hear like I feel these like two hands on my hips, and all of a sudden she just she just puts her hips up against mine, and she's like moving with me because I couldn't dance. I was like I was like I don't know how you like what I don't I didn't get it. I was just like oh my gosh guys, I really need to practice this. 
So she, everybody was, of course, so supportive, and they thought it was hilarious at first. Like, okay, little white girl can't dance over there. Um, <laughs> so I literally went home and spent time in front of the mirror for a long time just learning how to dance because that was, like, a part of the gig that I never thought I would have to worry about, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you guys are in... I don't think costume is the right word, but I mean, essentially, and the, the whole band is, you know, kind of yeah. really dressed to the part nines. Of the, part and, of the show. Yeah, you and, guys are right there. Yeah, I got to dance in very high heels and things like this and not fall over, which has almost <laughs> happened. <laughs> so talk about Vegas. What was that first show oh. like when it was finally time to really do it? Well, I was nervous. I, and I, actually, before the show, I got together with one of one of the dance captains who was helping me with my moves. And she's like, just, it's cool. Just be confident. You're with the two other girls back there you know just blend in with them and and don't you know like just you know you got it and of course I knew the music at that point because it was just you know parts here and there it was just more of like entrances and things which Crystal and Caddy were very helpful with like okay come in here and you know just just you're still getting used to the job and just it was a whirlwind of especially when we got to Vegas it was the first time I had seen the stage we rehearsed on the stage in which we were standing sitting on cubicles and the big lights and big tv screens and a big um place that we were playing in at the Wynn hotel in vegas and um i was like oh gosh so many lights so many and then you know we have all of our mic packs and everything and the sound and the clip-on mics and i was like whoa hey you know i it was just i was just taking it all in i was just not used to it you know, and um, it was fun. It was fun. I was, I was a little nervous with my dance moves, but you know, it, it was fine. I did, nothing horrible went wrong or anything, so I would say it was a success, and it was a good first start. You and know? how big? The, a smaller audience than probably normal for that first show because it's in a yeah. hotel at the Wynn, right? It was than... probably only a couple thousand people. Right. Maybe maybe not yeah, a thousand or two. Like not. Um, it wasn't very big. Like I had played for audiences that size before. Sure. So it was the first one wasn't the Super Bowl. The Super the Bowl. Was the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl was when I was like, "Holy crap! There's so many people here. I can't even like that. You can't even tell that they're people because their faces just look like dots." You sure. Know? So yeah. talk. So talk about that experience. Oh gosh, I had the flu at the Super Bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> it was flu season, and um, I was sitting on the plane going down to New Orleans two weeks early, and I was sitting behind one of the background vocalists who had the flu. And I was like, gosh, I'm in this plane, the closed airspace. I'm going to get the flu. I know it. And so I literally covered my mouth up with my scarf. I was like, I can't get the flu. And of course, a few days later, I started getting the chills in rehearsal. And I was like, oh, no, here it comes. I could. It was so bad. We were in rehearsals, and the rehearsals were long, too, 17, 15, 18-hour rehearsals. Just getting it all together for a 12-minute show. We were just, you know, because there, so, there were so many dancers, so music had to be together, and you just needed to spend time on it. And um, I was sitting in rehearsal, and I go to the music director. I was like, I, I, I'm about to faint. I'm about to throw up. I'm about to, I'm like, I'm, my temperature was so high. I was at like 102 fever in rehearsals. Oh. And so after rehearsal ended one night around like 1 a.m., the music director drove me to the ER. I stayed in the hospital. And they were like, um, because you're so contagious, I don't recommend you going into work. And because there was 150 dancers there. And, right. and B, of, <laughs> B, of course, didn't want me to go in and get everybody sick sure so i stayed in the hotel that day and it was trying to get better and then the next day i go into rehearsals and she had a doctor standing there with b12 shots for everybody i was like sorry boss (laughs) 
my fault. <laughs> and I even went to rehearsal. They didn't even want me to go to rehearsal. Then I went into rehearsal with a hospital mask on because I was like, it's I was just like a slit cut in it for the saxophone. Well, no, I wasn't even going to play because I didn't want. You oh, know, sure, I was just, yeah. I was just sitting there with my little mask on, just observing, and because I wanted to obviously, you know. Um, but it was just, it was just really rough. And then finally, thank goodness, in time for the Super Bowl, I had gotten better. Um, so I mean, the Super Bowl, it was just so much fun, so much fun. Um, it was just a whirlwind. We, uh, and it was actually the first time I had really ever spent time in New Orleans, so which was just magical in itself. I went to, um, I went to Snug Harbor to check out some music, and I, I played a session there. I was hanging with my friend Jameson Ross down there, and he drove me around, showed me around. And I played on a gig with him, and I played another. Se- I played like two other sessions. And while, like at nighttime, when we didn't have rehearsal, the girls were like, "You want to go out to dinner?" I was like, "No, come to this session. I'm playing at this session." So that in itself was awesome because I was like, "Man, I still get to play some jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go." Are any of the other musicians in the band jazz musicians by training? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, well, the girls, everybody comes from different backgrounds, but each of them, they're just so talented, and they each have their own thing that's them, you know, unique sure. to them. Like Rie, the keyboard player, for instance, she went to Berkeley. She's classically trained in pianist, but pianist, but she um, she's an incredible jazz musician. I mean, she used to play with Eric Benet. She can play R&B. This girl is a beast. She can play anything, anything, and she's just so inspiring. Um, background vocalist, mostly kind of grew up in the church gospel. Um, and then uh, the horns, Crystal and Caddy were, came from a jazz background. Okay. And they also both sing. So while they've kind of, they can improvise, they can play jazz music and can sing it and they know standards and things, but their own music has kind of gravitated towards singer-songwriter and their own unique thing. Sure. Um, and was Kat from Juilliard? Is that how you no, knew her? No, no. I actually, I actually met. Gosh, well, I knew Tia Fuller, who was the previous saxophone player for B. And Tia became like my big sister, and she invited me to her birthday party one night, and I was 18 years old, and she didn't realize how young I was, and I couldn't get into the club because I wasn't 21. 
And so I was waiting out there, and I texted her. I was like, hey, hey, I can't get in. I can't get in. And so finally she snuck me in. <laughs> and I, so I was at her birthday party. She's like, I didn't realize how young you were. I was like, yeah, I'm uh, 18, you know, like a <laughs> freshman at Juilliard. And um, so I hung out with her, and that's how I met Crystal Torres because she invited her to a birthday party. And so I was like, oh, Crystal, you know, I know she plays with B too. And I met Crystal, and then a few weeks later or something, I got a call from um, – Rodney Jones, one of the professors here at Juilliard, hooked us up with a contractor named Jill Delabate. And she needed some female musicians to play at Radio City with Garth Brooks, for, or not rather, not Garth Brooks, Trish Yearwood, hmm. his wife. Um, she was just singing one song. It was for like a women's history event or something. She wanted female musicians in the back to back her up. So Jill called me and said, hey, will you do this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And she's like, do you know any female trumpet players? It's like, funny you should ask. I just met one the other night. You know, and she also plays for Beyonce. I think, I think she'll definitely do. I called her up and I said, hey, I know we just met, but you want this gig? And she's like, yeah, sure. So she came up from Philly, met me. We had lunch. We had rehearsal. We played the gig and it was so much fun. And then a few weeks after that, uh, Beyonce needed another saxophone player for her countdown video. And Crystal called me. She said, hey, you know, like, you got me this gig. Do you want Do you want to play in the video? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Thanks. You know, it just it goes to show, like, we just had our backs from the beginning, you know. Yeah. And then that's how I met Caddy. And so that was before, obviously, I joined the band. Sure. And then um, Caddy and I always kind of kept in touch. And uh, then she called me and said, I thought of you as soon as they said we need a saxophone player. You know. Now you um, talking about the world tour that you went on? You posted tons of videos while you were on the road yeah, around the world, being silly. But the, yeah, being silly. But actually, the one that I most remember is one of you in a cab going to the airport, and you're crying. Oh, in the video. I was so sad. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I mean, as I'm sure, as much as you know, I'm sure the world tour was a blast and it was super yeah. fun and all that stuff. But there is there was also that part of it of I mean, you're young and you were as you said, you'd barely ever traveled. You have a personal life here scared. in town and all of a sudden now you're traveling the world and leaving everyone you know it's behind true. admittedly to do an awesome thing but it's still the case that everyone you know and love is back in the city and you're going it's true and um it's funny because i did put that up but i rarely will put up videos with that tone nowadays just because on social media, so many of the people that follow me are are fans of Beyonce. Sure. And whenever I have put up something like that, like, yeah, I'm in Germany today, but I, you know, honestly, I'm kind of feeling a little sad because it's my boyfriend's birthday. I'm missing it, and it's a big birthday, and I wish I could be home right now, even though, yes, I'm traveling the world with the greatest superstar, and yes, I share the stage with her every night, and yes, there's, we play for 60,000 people. Like, it's it's all great. It really is, but first and foremost to me always will be my family um above music above all else so when yes when i first got the gig i was of course i was excited i was so ecstatic i was ready i was you know but yeah our first leg that we went on was we were gone for 52 days in europe and I was excited to travel, explore. I was excited to see the girls in the band. But at that point, it was the beginning. So the girls in the band and I, I hadn't really like, you know, we we knew each other. We were more of just acquaintances still at that point. Sure. You know, we hadn't. Colleagues more than friends. Right. right. And now at the, at this point, I'm like, well, I can't go out, wait to go back out on the road because I can't wait to see my sisters. You know, they're like my family now. Sure. But back then, I was still kind of like, well, you know, I just, I'm still trying to, you know, remember everybody everybody you know 
Um, and, and yeah, it was leaving home and it was, it was my first time out of school. You know, I'd been in my, I'd been in school, what, for 18 years of my life since I was four or five years old. And, and now I'm just like, I just quit school. I was just gone. And I was, I was at Juilliard on a full ride. I was getting my master's degree and now I'm not. And now I'm just going to the airport to meet these girls that I, I still kind of just know and to play for this woman that is just this huge sensa- sensation. Um, and I was I was really, I oh my gosh, that ride to the airport, I was so sad. The cab driver, he kept looking back at me. He's like, are you going to be okay? <laughs> but I, it was really quite pathetic. And I was just like, I was like, okay, well, I need to document my journey. So that's why I put up that video. And I would just... I was so sad. I was saying bye to my boyfriend, and I just didn't want to be away from from him for for two months. You know, even though he's a musician too, so he understands and supports supports me a hundred percent, hundred fifty percent. But yeah, it was a part of me was really sad. But then when I got to Europe, of course, got settled in, played the first couple of shows, and I was hanging out with the girls. I was like, okay, fun, cool, yeah, great, let's do it. I want to, in just a second, move away from the Beyonce part of your sure. life. But just before we do, uh, one, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine that one thing that has happened to you is that you are now probably surrounded by a different level of both scrutiny and also proximity to famous people than yeah. was the case when you were a jazz saxophone, baritone saxophone player. Right. And I just wonder what that's been like. It must be a whole different world to enter it, into. It really is. It really is. I mean, um, people people are are crazy i mean her fans uh, some of her fans are they're fanatics you know just and you know they'll get on social media and ask me if i could do this can i do this and can you bring beyonce to my birthday party and can you do this this and i'm like in what planet in what world do you live in is it the same one i'm in because it doesn't that sound a little crazy so i you know of course there's a lot of crazy things that come along with being associated with her um including including you know a lot of people from my past have kind of 
come out of the woodwork. <laughs> this like, is like the musical equivalent of winning the lottery or whatever, right? Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, well, your well, third cousin. And all yeah, yeah, no, no. Like kids from elementary school that I, I like met once or something, they – They'd be like, so can I get some tickets? My, it's my girlfriend's birthday. I really want to, you know, and and that that kind of thing happens. And it's, you know, it's so funny that you said this because um, I was thinking about this. My brother and I were talking last week. He, he, We were talking about elementary school and middle school and high school and stuff. And he's like, yeah, do you remember when, you know, people would make fun of you and you were a band geek? And, and it's true. I grew up like kind of like I had my little isolated group of friends, but I was more like, I need to practice. I want to practice. I want to get into this orchestra. I want to do this and I want to play this. And I, you know, I was just so focused at even just from such a young age that I was like, not cool. I was not popular. I was not cool. And it's so funny how that works because now all the popular people and all the really cool people that we're there. They're the ones that are asking me for tickets. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, really? <laughs> really, really? You know, but it's that's kind of what I... The One of the best parts of the job is actually, since we are traveling the world, in Beyonce's Be Good Charity Foundation, um, there's a lot of outreach programs and a lot of moments in which we can meet kids from around the world, especially ones who haven't had the luxuries that we would have growing up kids that are homeless kids that have had really rough upbringings abusive parents or don't even know who their parents are so in australia we met a lot of kids in south america everywhere we go we've meet we've met with a group of kids and these younger girls they just i'll never forget in australia we met a group of maori kids the indigenous kids that live there and these little girls didn't even have shoes on and they just they just like latched, like maybe they were six or seven years old, come up to you and latch on you and just say how pretty you are. And you're, you're the prettiest girl I've ever seen and, and grabbing your hair because I love your hair and you're so pretty. And, and then they, like one little girl was like, nobody's ever told me I was pretty before. And it just brought me to tears because it's just like, oh, my God, you know, like how you and I was like, you're beautiful. Don't let anybody, anybody tell you. But I'd say, you know, just from you know growing up like we always tell younger girls and just younger kids like always stay like keep your eye on the prize and, and keep dreaming and keep working hard and keep supporting each other because even if you're called a band geek in school and even if you're like excluded from the rest you know you're just keep doing your thing and, and grow up and, and be a star and, and really shine so um then you know because then you have people asking you for tickets later <laughs> but yeah no it's it's actually it's really interesting it happens more of over social media but um yeah you know the fans they're 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 great they um they support me. They support my endeavors with my own projects, with Addie's Jazz Kitchen and everything. And, and I've made a lot of friends around the world. And it's just – that's just – you can't put a price on it, you know. It's yeah. just – and being exposed to their culture and their foods and their the way that they live their life, it's just really enlightening.
Well, let's talk about food. Yeah, um, that is another food. passion of yours. Yeah. And uh, it now expresses itself uh, in video form in Addie's Jazz Kitchen, which is yeah. which is awesome, which combines many of your musician friends and your passion for cooking. So talk about, talk about cooking. Well, okay. While I was at Juilliard, I... Um, and I, while I started living on my own, I got my first apartment my sophomore year. And I realized, well, okay, I'm not eating at the cafeteria at Juilliard. I need to cook. I didn't even grow up in a family that could cook. You know, a lot of chefs and people, they say, well, I I grew up by my nonna's side, and, and she taught me how to cook, and, and I watched her, you know, make stuff ever since I could stand on a chair next to her. Not true for me. My family, I come from a Pennsylvania Dutch family that overcooks everything. My grandparents, they believe bacteria was in the food. So like cook it until it is dead, like dead, dead, you know, so that's how I grew up eating pork chops, applesauce, that kind of thing. And so I, I didn't really know how to cook very well when I started living on my own. It's like, gosh, I need to, and I started running at that point. So I started, you know, being health conscious and, you know, eating vegetables and things. So, but I needed to learn how to make the vegetables. So I called my brother. I was like, do you know how to make vegetables? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to, like, what, what's this pan for? You know, I not the slightest clue. Not the slightest clue. I really fell in love with the Food Network. And I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to teach myself to cook. You know, I read Julia Child, Child's book. And, you know, just I just fell in love with cooking, following recipes and making this, that, and other. And soon enough, I found out I was kind of a natural at it. And I was like, geez, this is so like jazz. It is so similar to um, improvising, you know, because you kind of – Okay, I've learned how to make this before, but now I'm going to put my own spin on it by adding these two flavors because they're my favorite. It's what I like. So similar as to, okay, I really love Sonny Rollins. I really love the way he plays over without a song. But, you know, I, I want to put this approach on it and make it my own and do this. And it's, so, I mean, it's just, it's so similar. It It floors me every time I really think about it. So I was like, gosh, you know, People at Juilliard are starting to release their own albums and talk about their their own little projects. And they're the students here were just my um, my fellow peers. They were just so inspiring. They inspired me so much. And I was like, gosh, well, let me. What would you know? I want to shape my career after Juilliard and make my. You know, we were taught. You know, you 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 have to kind of sell yourself you, as a brand. You're you're the musician, you're the music. In, in today's day and age in which jazz music isn't as popular, you need to you need to be a business person too. So I thought, okay, what would be my thing? And I said, well, you know, I want to be happy in my life. So, you know, to be happy, I want, you know, why don't I just tr- combine the two things that I'm most passionate about, music and food? And that's kind of how Addie's Jazz Kitchen started. Uh, it started actually three years before I actually released the blog. And it started by me just cooking recipes, talking to different jazz musicians, different musicians who came through Juilliard and did clinics and stuff with us. John Faddis came through. I said, what's your favorite dish to make? I know you know how to cook. And he's like, oh, well, I really like this pasta recipe or this dish. And and, uh, and so then the next day in a rehearsal, I came in with it. I was like, can you test my recipe? Can you tell me what you think? He's like, you cook? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Joe Lovano came in, and he was like, yeah, Addison, you really got to try um, grilling some calamari with some ginger and, you know, over some, some freshly made linguine. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, I got to try that. Next next week when we had a concert with him, I brought him in, I brought him in some. And I was like, just tell me what you think. And, <laughs> you know, so I was always like, you know, Bobby Watson came out. And I was like, let's, let's talk about barbecue. 
I know you know your barbecue. I was just so into it, and I found soon enough that there are so many esteemed jazz musicians that just know so much about food, and it's a big part of their life and the way that they grew up. So, um, yeah, I've made I made connections everywhere uh, with it, and then eventually, um, when I started the blog, I was like, well, it would be a great way to be able to document being on the road would be having different food adventures and adventures on the stage, and and not only that, it would just be a great way to keep my family informed of what's going on because sure. I couldn't just call everybody in one day and just be like, this has happened, this happened, this happened. So just go to AddieChefsKitchen dot com and check it out, <laughs> you know. And then I was like, man, let me have a cooking show because I just, I don't know. I just, I love, you know, I'm just super bubbly and, you know, want to take over the world. And I love just, I'm a people person. So I love sitting down and talking with people and really getting into what makes them click. So with the the food and the music, I was like, man, well, you know, a lot of my friends cook. Um, the last episode I did uh, was with Luca Santiniello, the drummer from Italy. He's from Campobasso, and he's a ridiculous cook, and he's from Italy, and his mom is an amazing cook. And so he kind of passed on some recipes. I was like, it would be perfect to do a cooking show episode and have just friends on the show and just make it at each jazz kitchen, not just a food and music thing, but more of a lifestyle thing. More, it's because, you know, to a viewer, it doesn't matter if if you're a musician or if you're if you're a food person or if you can cook it's it's all about being creative you know so many people in today's day and age they go they work their nine to five jobs they crunch numbers it's so black and white so this 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 and, and then they're not happy some might be good more power to you go ahead be happy but you know like people if i feel like if people were more creative and just kind of release some of that energy i feel like the world would be like so much of a better place so Addie's jazz kitchen in depth is more about encouraging viewers to improvise and be creative and go take a leap of faith and and go on a world tour with you know like like what i did like go i'm not saying you know, go play with, if you can, go do it. But I'm saying it's all about just, you know, get, getting out of your comfort zone and, and really, you know, and I, I thought if I were to document my journey with the food, music, being on the world on the world tour, it, in, it would be in hopes that I could inspire younger people or just anybody that, you know, you can still chase your dreams and do what you want to do. And, you know, I've got your back.
So now that you're you're home between tours, you're getting to play some jazz again. Yes. Yeah, tell us about yes. that. Yes. Oh gosh, um, it is so much fun. Well, you know, when I get home off of the road, a lot of the times, at first, I would get home from a month or two, and I would end up getting home, and I would end up getting sick. You know, my immune system would just say, "Okay, <laughs> now you have time to sleep." So here's a fever, or you know, and so I would get sick. I have to end up going to the doctor be in bed for a few days and it was just the worst so this time I came home from Europe and it was the first time I wasn't sick so I was loading up on vitamin C I was like yes I'm gonna take on the world now and I was like you know it's really my life became so touch and go being on the road because we're gone we come home we go and we come home so of course when I come home first things first go see your family spend time with family tell them how much you missed them tell them all about your adventures But then after that, I got back to New York. I'm standing in my apartment, looking at my horns, looking at my baritone, my baby, who doesn't travel with me on the road. My baritone, oh my gosh. So I was like, man, I got to get back into the baritone. And of course, I play a 1928 con. So it's kind of finicky. You know, it's old, old vintage horn. And, and, um, you know, you can't just pick up and play a baritone and just, just play it after playing the alto for two months. Sure. Nonstop. So... I, I just sit and do long tones, and I get so frustrated. I get so overwhelmed. Like, oh my god, I need to. How am I gonna p- ever put back the pieces of playing the baritone? And so this break, I made a goal for myself. I said, okay, you need to hit the ground running, Addison. You need to start playing with cats again. You need to start playing tunes again. You need to get back out there and and play and focus. Do the music. Play the music. And um, so that's when I set up a gig. I played a show in Brooklyn last week. Um, with just some cats from Juilliard, and I, I brought in some original music. I got back into writing, played some original music, played some of my favorite um, arrangements that I've done of standards, um, kind of put my own spin on things, had a couple of my friends be some special guests, and it was just a great night of music. And, of course, I catered my own gig, so it was food <laughs> and music. <laughs> there was food, and lots of family and friends came and came out to support, and it was really nice. Um, but it was a success because the end goal was to just get together and, and play music and get back into it. So with that being said, I... I set up another gig so I can do that yet again. So on May 29th, which is actually my birthday, um, we're going to have um, at Skull Street Studio in Brooklyn, which is where I actually film my cooking show. Because oh, it's um, my professor's place from Juilliard here. She's a liberal art professor, Anita Mercier, and her husband, Renee. They own this place uh, on 375 Lorimer Street called Skull Street Studio. And basically, it's a rehearsal studio space. And we turned it into a concert venue for my gig. And their kitchen upstairs is just beautiful. So Yeah, we should point out that Addie's Jazz Kitchen is not actually filmed in Addie's Jazz Kitchen. Because... No, my kitchen <laughs> – you don't want to see my kitchen, folks. I mean, it's just um, – my kitchen is, is, is transitional at the time. <laughs> Shall we say more a typical New York kitchen then? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> not, not film ready. Yeah, not, not exactly. <laughs> but one day, one day, my dream, my dream kitchen will come to me. Um, so anyway, back to May 29th. May said, 29th, right? yeah. yes. May 29th. I'm excited to put together another, another set with um, some of my good friends from Juilliard. We're going to play music. And um, afterwards, I thought it would be a great idea to kind of just reconnect with the scene by having just an open jam session. So I'm kind of, you know, just putting the word out there to the cats on the scene. You bring your horns. Let's play. 
and just have it be a night of music and it's going to be a lot of fun and it starts at 8 p.m and it is ten dollars at uh, skull street studio tell people the address Brooklyn. again 375 Lorimer Street. And you can find out the information on my Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, (laughs) addysjazzkitchen.com. It's all over the place. So just keep an eye out. And then following that, and as we we get to the end of the interview here, following that, you're back on the road again, right, for a summer tour? Oh, yeah. Um, We start rehearsals in the beginning of June. So um, it's going to be exciting. We're actually going out on the road. It's called the On the Run Tour. I'm still figuring out what we're running from, but we're we're, we're on the run. We're we're on the go, on the move, um, and uh, it's with Beyonce and her husband Jay Z. So it's going to be a husband and wife tour, which is going to be really exciting because um, he he's a lot of fun to play with, and I'm excited to learn some of his music. And uh, yeah, we're um, and where is this tour? Is it? It's a North American North American leg. So we're going to start in I believe Miami and end. In California, I'm not sure. I would need to look at my schedule, <laughs> but yes, it, it'll be a fun summer summer tour, and it's it's going to actually be a lot of fun because we're not doing arenas; we're doing stadiums. So we'll be we'll be outside more, and um, you know, I just love traveling around in the summer because, and you know, we'll get in some beach time when we go down to Miami. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> and. Do you, as you look at the next couple of years of your life, I mean, do you already know, okay, I'm going to be on tour these times, or do you just wait until they, I mean, these tours can't, I assume they're set up long in advance because of the logistics involved. True, but you'd be surprised at how last minute I find out things. <laughs> Actually, I find out a lot of things from um, from fans. They're like, oh, you're going to be in this city on this date? I'm like, you don't say, <laughs> you know, and, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is, but, you know, right now, um, yeah, I I'm in Beyonce's band, and uh, and I'm just kind of we, curious, I guess, from like a life planning point of view. You know, do you have any idea like how long is this going to last? Or? I have not the slightest okay. clue, and that's the thing that fans don't get because they're like, "Tell me when you're going to be here, and when are you? Is there going to be show?" And I'm like, "You guys, I really don't have the slightest clue. Like, I'm I'm really as clueless as you." And um, I mean, that's the whole element of a surprise. But for yeah, for a life planning point. That's the part that really kind of sucks because I can't really plan my life. And, I mean, that's just the nature of the job. I knew that going into it. And um, so basically I'm just on call, you know, which is fine. And it's good. And it's an adventure. keeps me on my toes. Um, But at the same – it's not going to be that way forever, you know. So whenever whenever the tour ends or whatever, then I'll be able to kind of – See what the next chapter in my life is. Sure. Either way, it's going to be good. It's going to be so fantastic. <laughs> so folks can check out the show at addysjazzkitchen.com. It's and, spelled A-D-I-S. Right. Thank you for saying that. That's important. And there'll be links to that at thejazzsession.com. Uh, May 29th in Brooklyn. And more information on all of Addison's 8 million social media accounts. Um, and then the summer tour with Beyonce. It all yep. sounds pretty amazing. On the run tour. We're on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been great to talk to you, and congratulations on your uh, all your success and the unexpected turns your life has taken. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Addison.
That was music from Addison Evans, exclusive to the Jazz Session so far. Thanks very much, Addison, for the interview and the music. Thank you to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the logo. If you need writing work done for your business or arts venture, please visit cranewrites.com for information about my professional writing services. That's it for this time. Have a great week and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Bye. Bye.